God's masterpiece. That's good news. That's good news. I wonder, though, did Adam and Eve feel like masterpieces as they hid in fear? Oh, I heard God walking in the garden. How did they feel? What did they feel like? What was it like? When God created them, they were perfect, right? God created them from the dust of the ground. He breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. The first resuscitation, or not resuscitation, I guess, just suscitation. <laughs> right? <laughs> to get it all going. Breathed into him the breath of life. And man became, he did not receive, man became a living soul, right? That body plus the breath, there was no soul floating around out there somewhere that suddenly came into this body. It was the body completely unified with the breath made the living soul. That's what a soul is, body plus breath. That's what created the soul. And so they were created in the image of God. Think about that for a moment. In the image of God. They were perfect. They were just what the artist had created. Free. Free to make decisions. In Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, you remember the story. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the, of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Did God put an electric fence around that tree? If God had wanted to, he could have just taken the tree out. He didn't have to leave it there at all. If God didn't want to give them freedom, he didn't have to put a tree there at all, did he? He put the tree there in order to safeguard the fact that you would be free. A free moral agent. We make those moral choices all the time. And... As it turned out, Adam made one of those choices, right? He chose to eat, knowing the consequences, knowing what he had done, knowing what was happening. He made that choice as a free moral agent. He was in the image of God. He was free to make choices, capable of making choices, and did make those choices. That didn't make him God. It didn't even make him like God that he made that wrong choice. <laughs> In fact, it made him less like God, right? He made that choice even though he was totally dependent on God. He decided, no, I'm not going to listen. That disobedience had consequences, didn't it? Disobedience 
had consequences to the nature of man. Once created in the image of God, now fallen. A fallen nature. The image of God was marred. Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife did what? Hid themselves. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Think about that for a minute. He who was originally made in the image of God hid from God. Can you see the change that's taken place there? That change, not just in His physical nature. We, we think quite often of that, right? Because God said, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die, right? And that's what we think of. But that wasn't the major consequence, frankly. Because the major consequence was that broken relationship between the Creator and Adam. That broken relationship, that disunity, that sudden unlikeness to God. Let's keep reading. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that I should eat? Listen to what Adam replies, because this is indicative of the change that's taken place. You see, Adam, were he still like God, would have been right up front. I chose to eat. Uh-uh, that's not what he said, was he? And he taught his wife how to answer because he blamed her first, right? He blamed her and then she blamed the snake. So he taught her how to blame somebody. Adam was not like God anymore. That's the key difference in the fallen nature. He was not like God. Not that we die. Death's ugly. No question about it, right? Death is ugly. It separates us. And yet, the real issue here is the change in the nature of the man. That he is now not like God. Verse 12, then the man said, the woman whom you gave, whom who gave? Ah, blaming God ultimately, right? The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and finally he gets to the nub of it. I ate. Yeah. First it's everybody else's fault, and then yeah. That's, that's like running a red light, smashing into a car, saying it's everybody else's fault, and then saying, I had an accident. You think? <laughs> Buddy, you ran the red light. You could have killed somebody, right? Adam ran the red light and finally gets around to saying, yeah, I had an accident. Eve 
does the same thing. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Verse 13. And the woman said, the serpent, she's blaming as well. The serpent deceived me, and finally she gets to it. I ate. And so the image of God has been marred. Now, I need to make one thing clear here. The image of God was marred, not destroyed. It's not completely obliterated. It's not completely gone. You can still see God's image, at least a small vestige, just a, just a little in everyone. But it was marred. It was changed. It was wrecked. It was messed up. The image was messed up. The consequences of sin were a change in ourselves that is unlike God. And that's the real rub. Jeremiah says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And that question is still today. Still today. We have TV shows built on this very principle of stabbing one another in the back, and we call it entertainment. Or at least some people do. Brothers and sisters, we have to be willing, you and I, as church members, to say, yes, I too have a fallen nature. I too have big issues and problems here. Just because we're Sitting here nice, dressed up, and all fancy doesn't mean we don't have problems. We have to realize that we are in need of God's grace too, right? We're no different. We're all in need of God's grace today. We just, uh, if you've been following along our, our cycle of reading through the Bible, you read about Solomon here recently dedicating the temple. And I'm reading that he he builds this temple. He builds all of this stuff. And he gets up there and he offers this awesome prayer. Tremendous prayer about, God, please, if your people sin against you and turn and worship you and turn toward this temple and pray to you, hear them, God. He's pleading with God for his people. And then he goes and messes them up. And it's hard to imagine how he could, in one breath, give this awesome and mighty prayer that moves, literally moves the hand of God, and then goes off and crash and burn, you know? Goes off the deep end. We have to realize that we can do the same thing. We can all be sitting here right now saying to ourselves, we're in church, we're doing good, everything's good. I believe what that guy's saying up there, everything's great. I'm really in love with the Lord. And we walk out and we're not even yet out of the building and we say, Psh, can you believe what she's wearing? Oh. What is that? Right? Or for the guys, oh man, he got a new car and I didn't. Man, how come I don't get a new car? Check it out. That's the way we go. 
before we even walk out of the building, we're ready to head off the deep end if we're not staying in touch with the Lord. And then we've become subject to death. Chapter 3, verse 19. Chapter 3, verse 19. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And so we face this situation of death coming upon us all. It's part of the nature of man. It's who we are. It's something we have to reckon with. And it is death. The cessation of life. It is not life in a different form, in a different place, under different circumstances, and boy, this is really warm in here. Or not. That's not what we're talking about. It's death. Gone. Death. Ended. Life ended. Death. Finished. And we pass this on to our children. Not just the fact that we die, but we pass on this fallen nature, this bent, this propensity, this, this heading in the direction of sin whenever we get a chance, like, like Solomon, this tendency to sin. We pass that on to, you, to each other, to our children as well. And, and there's that temptation to say, wait a minute, <laughs> I didn't want to buy into this. Where's the fairness in that? How, how, come, how come my parents and their parents and parents on back to Adam, they messed up and I get to die? What's the deal with that? How come I have to have this tendency toward evil? Why is that fair? You know? Why is that fair? How many of you remember the story of the mutiny on the bounty, right? Mutiny on the bounty, you remember that story? Yeah, they uh, put the captain off in a little boat, right? And then they went to Tahiti, got some ladies from Tahiti, went to a little tiny island. Do you remember the name of that little tiny island? Pitcairn, that's right. They went to Pitcairn. And then, knowing that human nature, being what it is, men might change their minds then people would get found out as mutineers. They burned the ship. Their only connection to the rest of the world, their only way off of the island, they burned the ship. Here they were, mutineers. On an island. They began to have children. Where were those children born? Were those children born in England? Were they born in Tahiti? They were born on Pitcairn Island, right? Was that fair? That's the way things happen sometimes. Where the parents were, not because the parents had some original sin or something that, that tainted the children, it was the circumstances of birth. When the parents gave birth to their children, it was on the island. That was the natural consequence of that. And we say sometimes that it's not fair, but we have life. We have a chance. 
Furthermore, we can get off the island. Praise God. That's a good time to say praise the Lord. Thank you. We can get off the island, right? <laughs> we can get off the island because God had nothing to do with sin, but He took our sin for us, allowing us to get off the island. And so here we have man created in the image of God, but then sinned, and our nature became marred. No longer in the image of God, but God had a plan. He had a method. He had a way to save us from that situation. Talk about not fair. The God who had nothing to do with it, who really warned us against it, is the one who took the penalty for that sin. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. 2 Corinthians 5.19 goes on and said, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. And the Holy Spirit is in the business of teaching us truth, leading us into truth, so that we might have that image of God restored in us. I've been over to Bill's house. Been to Bill's house, looked in his garage. You ever looked in Bill's garage? He's got an old car in there. He's got an old car in his garage. And it's, it's, it's at least when I saw it, maybe he's done some work to it, I hope so. When I saw it, it, needed, it still needed some work, you know? It, it needed some work. But it didn't need work because Bill messed it up. It got dings, it needs paint and everything, but that wasn't Bill's fault. Bill is actually making it better now. He found it in this condition, and now he's restoring that car. He's restoring that car. God is in the business of restoring the image of God in us. God's remaking us. He is restoring us. And so not only did he take the sin that we had committed, but now he wants to restore us right now to be like him as we go forward. Not just taking what was behind, but restoring us in the future. And so, if we're going to be restored to the image of God, what is the image of God? What is God like? 1 John, 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 says, God is love. God is love. If we're going to be restored to the image of God, what does that mean we're going to be like? Loving, right? We should be loving. That's what we are. We're not only God's masterpiece because He created us at the beginning, but now He is recreating us. God is working on us again to restore us to loving one another. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-6 through 6, 
To know God is to keep His commandments. That's what it is to know God, to be like God, to know Him, to be in relationship with Him, is to keep His commandments. But John doesn't just stop there. In chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says that to love God is to love others. That if we're really going to know God, we're going to know Him because we care about other people. We love other people. We're going to be like Him. That is restoring the image of God in man. Genesis chapter 2.15. What was Adam's original work in this world? Genesis 2.15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To dress it and keep it. To tend it and keep it. It is our work to love people, to care for God's earth, and to worship Him. That's why we're here in this world. To have that image restored in us. Now, let's come down to you and I. Here we are at the end of this earth's history. These messages, these fundamental beliefs, this one being number seven... I have our little cards for us. These fundamental beliefs need to make a difference in our lives today, in what we do, in where we go, what we say. These things need to make a difference, or else they're just intellectual exercises that are of no value, right? What's the point in that? This needs to be something that touches our lives. How does this whole thing touch our lives beyond simply knowing that I have a sinful nature that I need Jesus to restore me back to His godly nature? We know that. How does this interact with us in this last day time? You remember that idea of disobedience and consequences and all that jazz we talked about just a few minutes ago? The idea that when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a consequence. They would surely die. How many of you have met Adam? Nope, me neither. He's pretty much dead, huh? Pretty much went back to the dust, didn't he? Yeah. The consequence was real, right? The consequence of the changed character was real. We all feel it every single day. But you know, this isn't a terribly popular message that there's consequences to come. That there will be a judgment faced for the things that we do. It, when we start talking about this, we get cries of, oh, we're, we're, we're being judged on works and things like that. You hear all of those things. Brothers and sisters, what are we saved by? Grace or works? Grace, thank you. All right, that argument's all over with. Now let's move on. <laughs> That's the deal, isn't it? We're saved by grace. But Jesus did separate the sheep from the goats based on something. And he told us what it was. Those who do good to the resurrection of the just, those who do evil to everlasting contempt, right? And so it's based on what we're doing because it's evidence of that grace at work in your life. Or not. 
right? The evidence is there. But this is an unpopular message. People try anything they can to get away from it. And brothers and sisters, we are here to bring forward this message. Revelation chapter 14, verse 7. The, another angel followed them with a loud voice saying, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his grace. What? It's not grace? No? For the hour of his grace. Come on. I like that translation better, don't you? Okay, it's not really a translation. It's just a complete change, right? It's the hour of his grace. Judgment has come. Not a very popular message, is it? Not a very popular message, but it's the message you and I have been given. Why? Why? Why such a hard message? I mean, you know, that's not very fun to go out there and say, hey, you're going to judgment, Fred. Sorry, buddy. That's kind of hard to give, isn't it? Aren't we supposed to be all about grace and loving? Yes, because that's the image of God, right? That's the image of God. But part of the loving nature of God is to warn people that are about to go off the cliff, right? To tell Adam, don't eat from that tree. You're free to do so. You're a free moral being. But please don't. It's not good for you. It's not good. Please don't. Warning messages are part of God's nature. He wants to keep us out of trouble. That's what God does. He's in the business of saving people. And part of saving people is warning them, especially when bad things are about to come, you know? And so we are going to face the things we've done. And we need to warn people about that. The hour of his judgment has come. And you remember that whole subject to death thing? Yeah. I wonder how many people have that as their favorite Bible verse, right? Probably not too many. Probably not too many. That's a difficult thing to tell people when we die, we die. We're gone. And there will be a resurrection someday. Some resurrected to be with the Lord, some not. That's a hard message to give. And yet, that's very important. Because right now, this idea of the immortality of the soul is what is opening the door to spiritualism, to people thinking that they're going to get a message beyond the grave, that there's some way to hear what God is saying beyond or even in many cases different from what he has already told us in his word. We must stick with God's word and follow just what he has told us, that this is his word. Anything else that contradicts this must not be his word. And so when we hear about meeting people in heaven... Can't be so, because that's not in the Word of God. When we hear what heaven is like in popular books and movies, it can't be so, because that's not what the Word of God says. Is heaven a great place? Wow, way beyond what we can imagine, Paul tells us, right? 
but nobody's been there and come back to tell about it. Doesn't happen. That's not the way the Bible tells us. It's quite clear that body plus breath equals soul. When body and breath are taken apart, there is no soul. Unpopular message, but so important for our time today. Brothers and sisters, these things we stand for. Why? Because we want to be weird? Because we want to be different? Or because it's what the Word of God tells us? That's what God tells us. At the same time, we have a message that we need to be like God, to be loving like Him, to be moldable so that the master artist that we saw can change our hearts to be like His. We want to be like Jesus as we walk through those doors, we want to continue to be like Jesus. As we meet people who do bad things to us, we want to be like Jesus. As we meet people who are harsh with us, we want to be like Jesus. This is what it means to have that image restored in us. It's not just that we're trying to be different. It's that we're trying to be like God because that's what He wants. He's in the business of restoring old cars like me, you know, <laughs> to make us more like Him. This week, I want you to think about your opportunities to put this into practice, to consider what it means to have your nature restored to be like God. What does that mean? This week, maybe, maybe you'll get a letter in the mail from the IRS. I don't know. I got a letter in the mail from the IRS this week. Actually, it was a multicolored piece of paper with numbers on it and pay to the order of. And it's like, yes! And I opened it up. It was a dollar. Oh, wait. And one cent. I looked down at the small print. It said, interest, 0.01. Are you kidding me? A dollar and one cent? You'll get bad news this week. Bad things will happen. Ugly things sometimes. How will you respond? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to make a difference in your life? As you touch other people this week, you will have an opportunity to love like God loves, to have Him work in your life. And maybe this week, you can take a step toward that last day message coming to someone because you gave them some invitation to a back-to-school bash or you gave them an opportunity to study their Bible with Discover Bible School 
I wonder if there's anyone who's, who's studied the Bible and come to Jesus because of it. You know, it happens, doesn't it? <laughs> it happens. There are people sitting right here today because they studied the Bible. Is that right? Is that how it works? And they learned about Jesus. Maybe this Discover Bible School card, you can pick one of those up and hand it to somebody. Somebody this week that you're praying for. Somebody around your neighborhood that you need to hand these cards to. Maybe this is today, the day to pick it up. And the Lord will impress you this week who to hand that card to. There are opportunities, brothers and sisters. The question is, are we really loving enough to bother? Are we really ready to make that difference for God? That's what we're here for. That's what this belief should do in our lives this week. And I give you that opportunity to make that happen this week.